All right, we'll say good morning. Welcome to today's daf. I hope everybody had a beautiful Shabbos. A great zechos to be able to share this daf with you from Yerushalayim, Irak Hodesh. So today's daf is daf Yudchas. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamato sponsors, for the month of Shvat. Mrs. Bracha Strimber, in commemoration of the upcoming yard site of her husband, Avram Ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi Zichron Livracha. We hope that in the merit of our Tamator, the Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family in Nechama. To thank Avi Tobias for dedicating all the Sherman Drushos this month in honor of the Shir, in honor of the Ribono Shal Olam's incredible Torah. And to thank our Week of Learning sponsors, Gabi and Shana Kohn, in commemoration of the upcoming yard site of Shana's father, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halibi, Zichron Lebracha. We open that in the merit of our Tamu Torah. The Nisham will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And Abosu, with that, let us begin. We have an incredibly beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Yud Ches. 18. And we are picking up on Yudzayin Amadeis 17b. Four lines up from the bottom. Says the Gimartan Rabbanon. Kishim Sha'amlu Asr Legaleach Bemoid. In the same way that Chazal said that you're not allowed to go ahead and shave on Chalamaid, Kach Asr Lital Tsiparnayim Bemoid. So too, again, you're not permitted to go and cut your nails on Chalamaid as well. So the Gimar is equating the cutting of the nails to Giluach, to shaving. Rabbi Yehuda, these words are Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yossi, Mati, Rabbi Yossi says, no, it's mutter. It's mutter. You can go ahead and cut your nails on Cholamaid. So the Gemara says, And the same way that we said that an Avel, a mourner, is not permitted to go ahead and shave during the days of his Avelos, So too he is not permitted to go ahead and cut his nails during his Avelos as well. So we'll say so again. Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that essentially the strictures of, of I should say, that Cutting your nails and shaving are kind of in the same bucket. So therefore, by Chalamai, where you're not allowed to shave, you're also not allowed to cut your nails. By Avelos, where you're not allowed to shave, you're also not allowed to cut your nails. Now, in both of these cases, Rabiosi says it's mutter. So Rabiosi, therefore, will allow you to cut your nails during Avelos and will also allow you to cut your nails during Chalamai. Amr Ula. Ula says, Sula says, namely by Avelos, you're allowed to go ahead and cut your nails. But ultimately, that you are not allowed to go ahead and cut your nails during Avelos. But that you're allowed to cut your nails on Chalamaid. Shmuel says, no. Top of Yurches. Bemoed uba avel. say, interestingly enough, Shmuel says that Allah Chafal's Rabbi both by Chalamaid as well as by Avelos, which means that what Shmuel is saying is that Allah you're allowed to cut your nails during Avelos and you're allowed to cut your nails on Chalamaid as well. Now, why is this? Amr Shmuel, Halacha kedivre hamekel be'evel. Because both say there's a general principle. The general rule is that the halacha follows the lenient opinion by Hilchos Avelos. Now the truth is, this is not a unique idea. Hilchos Avelos, the overwhelming majority of them are dirabanons. So essentially what the Gemara is saying is when you have a machlokes in a dirabanon, suffolk dirabanon lahakel. Machlokes in a dirabanon will go aside with the lenient opinion. Now what's interesting about this Gemara is that again, the conclusion of the Gemara seems to be that both by Chalamaid as well as by Avelos, one is permitted to go ahead and cut their nails. And in fact, this is the halacha. Now, interestingly enough, by Avelos, what we generally say is you could cut your nails if they're getting in the way of activities of daily living. If it's not getting in the way of activities of daily living, we leave it. Chalamaid is actually very interesting. The Mechaber Paskins, that one is permitted to go ahead and cut their nails on Chalamaid. But the Ramah is Machmir. The Ramah says our, our minog today is not to cut nails during Chalamaid. He says unless, of course, a woman's going to the mikvah and she needs to cut her nails, you know, to avoid any type of chatzitza interposition issues, you know, in, in, yeah, interposition issues, chatzitza issues. But otherwise, the Ramah says we are machmer and we do not cut our nails on Chalamaid. So the Gemara tells an interesting story. Pinchas achodemar shmuel isra milsa. Unfortunately, Pinchas, the, the brother of Mar Shmuel, 
Isra ben Milsa literally means something happened to him. Now Rashi explains the Pinchas the Pinchas Hava Avel. So in fact, again, the Gemara later on will explain that Pinchas's son passed away. Pinchas lost a child, Rahman al-Litzlan. So Pinchas is sitting Shiva. All Shmuel, so Shmuel, his brother, comes Lemishal Taima Mine to be Menachem Avel. Now again, Lemishal Taima Rashi Ladaba Alibo de Pinchas to give him words of consolation. Give words of consolation. Shmuel comes to give chizik to, to be Menachem Avel to console the mourner. So what happens? Chazinhu Latarfi Dahavanefishin. Shmuel walks in and he sees that his brother Pinchas, who is sitting Shiva, Pinchas's nails were very long. They're very long. So Shmuel says to his brother, why don't you cut your nails? Because remember, again, Shmuel was the one who just paskin that the halacha follows Rabbi Yossi, both by Avelos as well as by Chalamaid. But here, this is an Avelos case. The halacha always follows the lenient opinion by Avelos. So Shmuel says to his brother, why don't you cut your nails? So Pinchas says back to his brother, tell me, brother, brother, if this would have happened to you, if you would have been the one sitting Shiva, would you be so mekel? Would you be so mekel? Would you just go ahead and be so mekel to cut your nails? Then I will say, now what just happened over here was something amazing, Dr- dramatically, tragically amazing, which is Pinchas said to Shmuel, if you had lost a child and you were sitting Shiva, would you cut your nails? So Havi Kishkaga Hashalit. So the Gemara uses this expression in uh, in Kohelas. Kishkaga Hashalit, which literally means like a mistake, like a mistake that came out um, from before the ruler. So the idea over here, the Gemara uses this expression when great people say things, the words of a great person has an impact. So here again, Pinchas said, Shmuel, if you were sitting Shiva for your child, and afterwards, again, the Isra be Milsa Bishmuel. Unfortunately, Shmuel suffered a loss. Shmuel suffered a loss. And now Shmuel was sitting. Again, the, the, the Gemara is highlighting the idea that great people, tzaddikim, have to be very careful with their words because their words carry weight and their words create reality. So here, Pinchas didn't mean anything negative towards his brother. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, what he said had an incredibly dramatic impact. So the Gemara says, So now Shmuel's sitting Shiva, and Pinchas, the brother, comes to Menachem Avel. So what happened? So what happens? That's actually dramatic. So Pinchas walks into Nabi Menachem Avel by his brother Shmuel. What did Shmuel do? Shmuel had cut his nails and he threw the nails at Pinchas. He threw the nails at Pinchas. And he said to his brother, don't you know that there is a covenant that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has effected with the lips? Don't you know that words have power? Don't you know that words have an impact? Don't you know that when you say something, you have to be mindful of what it is that you're saying? So Shmuel was angry at his brother, understandably so. Shmuel, so there's two things happening over here. Number one, he threw the nails at Pinchas, showing that he did cut his nails, even during Shiva. That's number one. And number two, he gave him Musar. How do you not know the impact of your words? How do you know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a covenant with the lips? How do you know that our words have an impact, that our words have a meaning? So listen to this. Where does the Gemara glean the idea that the words of a tzaddik have a binding effect by the Akedah? Avram said to his lads, remember again, this was a reference. The Akedah, Avram traveled with both Yitzchok and, Yitzchok and Eliezer. And Avram says to his lads, who is actually Eliezer and Yishmael, You both stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to go over there to Haramoria, to Harabayis. We'll prostrate. And we will return to you. Now, Avraham said, We will return. Both me and Yitzchak 
will return. So you see, what do you see from here? You see from here that Halacha Lamaisa, his words were upheld. Both Avraham and Yitzchak returned to Eliezer and Yishmael, Vistaya Milsa. And indeed it worked out, the Hadr Tarvayu, that ultimately again both of them both of them return. So it's actually pretty incredible. So here is the Raya, here is the proof of Bris Krusa Imas Vasayim, or Lis Vasayim, that there is a covenant that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has made with the words of the righteous, that the words of the righteous have an effect. They carry, they carry weight. They create realities. Absolutely incredible. Now the truth is, we're jumping back for just a moment. When we spoke about the idea that you're, when Shmuel said that that you can cut your nails even during Shiva, we assumed right now that that only refers to your, to your nails, to the nails of your hand, not to your toenails. Not to your toenails. Ultimately, again, now Rashi points out because if the nails on your hand grows long, it's most, it's disgusting, it doesn't look nice, it looks unkempt. But your toenails, no one's going to see anyway. No, in fact, Shmuel said, no, it's not true that the head to cut your nails during Abelos is both by your fingernails as well as by your toenails. So the Gemara says, Furthermore, however, you can't use a scissor. You can't use a scissor. In other words, you could cut. In other words, you could cut it by mouth. You could cut it by hand. But lamaisa, you can't go ahead and use a cle. You can't use a scissor. Amr Shmambar Abba, Hava Kaim Nakamid Rabbi Yochanan Bei Midrasha Bechalol Shomoid. So Shmambar Abba says one time, I was with Rabbi Yochanan the base Midrash on Chalamaid Vishaklinhu Litarfei Bishine Bizarkinhu, and I saw that Rabbi Yochanan bit his nails. Right, he bit. He, he cut, quote unquote. He cut his nails by biting them, and he threw the nails. He threw the nails. So the Gemara says, "Shmami no tlos." You could learn three things from this episode. Number one, "Shmami no motoli tavoti parnaim bechalos shamoed." Number one, you learn from here that you're allowed to cut your nails on chalamaid, like because again, Shmuel say it's always interesting to see that in from from the Gemara's perspective. You, here you had Rabbi, here you have Shmuel saying that Allah falls Rabbi Yossi. Namely, that you can go ahead and cut your nails on Chalamai, you can go ahead and cut your nails on during Avelos, during Shiva even. During Avelos. Now, again, I'll also point out, I'll, I'll get back in just a moment. Yet you see, from the Gemara's perspective, the real impact is when you bring a story which backs up this halachic position, which makes sense because the story tells you that this is not simply something that was said in the base Medrash, but rather ultimately this was something that was actively acted upon. So you learn from here three things. Number one, Shmamino, Shmamino, Number one, Rabbi Yochanan cut his nails on Chalamaid. You see from here, in fact, be paskin, you can cut your nails on Chalamaid. Number two, that there's nothing quote unquote disgusting with going ahead and removing your nails even with your even with your mouth, right? Even with your teeth. Number three, that you're allowed, after you cut your nails, you're allowed to throw them. You're allowed to throw them. Ini, is that so? Vatanya, we learned. There are three halachos that are said regarding nails. Hakovran Sadik. If you go ahead and after you cut your nails, you bury the nails, you're a tzadik. Sarfan, if you burn them, you're a chassid. Zarkan, but if you just kind of throw them where you are, Russia. And you are Russia. What's wrong with just throwing your nails down? Taima Mai, Shematavor Alein Isha Ubra. What's the concern? If you cut your nails and you just leave them in place, what could happen? A pregnant woman could step on them and chas v'shalom lose her pregnancy. Lose her pregnancy. So I'll say before we get into that, Sigmar says, I, how was Rabbi Yochanan therefore able just to cut his nails and throw them down? To which the Gemara says, Isha be'mizrash Ultimately, again, a woman isn't, wasn't normally found in the base Madrash. Again, Bismarck Gimar, we live in different times today. Right? But again, Bismarck Gimar, a woman wasn't found in the base Madrash. So therefore, again, Rabbi Yochanan didn't feel there was any concern after he bit his nails, right, to go ahead and put the, throw the nail down because a woman's not going to walk over it. There were no women in the base Madrash. Furthermore, the Gimar said, I, but sometimes maybe they sweep the nails out and maybe the nails will go out into the street and a woman does pass by in the street. To which the Gemara says, Ultimately, again, the danger that a nail poses is only when literally, again, 
it's in the original place that it fell. But once it's moved to a different location, it no longer poses any type of danger. So I will say, the idea over here, just to speak about this just a moment. So first of all, what we have, we'll say just from a halachic perspective is, that you're allowed to cut your nails during Avelos. Now again, the halacha lemaisa is, we paskin, one should really not cut their nails for sure, for sure during Shiva. And even during Shloshim, there are those that are makbid. Now, what I will mention is that halacha lemaisa, the moment that your nails begin to get interfere into the activities of daily living, one is permitted to trim them even during Shiva. Even during Shiva. What about Chalamaid? So as I mentioned before, the Mechaber Paskins, that you're really permitted to cut your nails during Chalamaid. The Ramah is Machmir, and the Ramah says that ideally one should not do it unless, of course, it's for a mitzvah. So the case of for a mitzvah is for tvila, for immersion in the mikvah. Woman has to cut her nails in order to avoid any interposition, any chatzitza issues. We'll say, what's the idea? Many of us are familiar with this. There was already in Masechus Brachas. What's the idea that a that that if a pregnant woman walks on fingernails, cut nails, she's going to miscarry her child? So I will say there's a beautiful Maharal. The Maharal in Chidushi Agodas explains that Adam and Chava, when they were first created, remember again they didn't have clothing. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the the I don't know if the, the Maharal quotes in the Medrash. Actually, Rashi quotes this Medrash as well that they had a finger-like almost like covering that, that protected their body from the elements, from other things in the world. They didn't have clothing. So there was like a finger-like covering that protected them from everything. When they ate from the eight das tovara, when they consumed from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that finger-like, that fingernail-like coating came off. It came off, it disappeared. It disappeared. Again, they replaced it then with clothing. So amazing of the Maharalites in Chudush HaGod is something incredible. Now remember again, it was Chava who was the initiator of the Chait. Because remember again, it was the Nochash, the snake approached Chava. Chava gave Adam to eat of the fruit. Adam did not know what he was eating of. And therefore again, when a woman, a pregnant woman, steps on a fingernail, a cut fingernail, which is a fingernail which has become detached from the body, it's a reminder of the original chait of Chava. It's a reminder of the original chait of the Eitz Das Tov Vara. And because of that, because it's a reminder, Chas V'Shalom, of that original chait, if a woman is pregnant, it places her b'makom sakana. Now, why a pregnant woman? Because remember, again, one of the greatest, there was fallout from the chait. For Adam, it was b'zeh sapecha tocha lechem. Parnas is going to be a struggle. For Chava, the fallout of the chait was b'itzvi tel dibanim, that ultimately pregnancy is going to be difficult. So when a pregnant woman steps on the fingernail, it's a reminder of the chait of Chava, and kid chas v'shalom cause her, chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, to lose the pregnancy. That's how the Maharal and Chidush HaGadus explains this incredible idea. So the Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yehuda said the name of Rav. One time a pair of people came from Chamson to ask a Shaila to Rabbi. So Marzutra's version is, yes, a pair of people, right? A pair came to, from Chamson to Rabbi. And they asked him, They asked him about the halachos concerning Cutting nails. Now there's an interesting machlokis over here. Are they asking about cutting nails on Chalamaid? Are they asking about cutting nails during Shiva? Or during Avelos, I should say. And he permitted them to go ahead and cut their nails. Permitted them to cut their nails. So the Gemara says, first white line, and had they asked about talochos concerning a mustache, he would have permitted that to them as well. Now I will say, now here's what, now what does it mean if he would have asked about a mustache? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, So Rashi says over here that had they asked Rebbe about whether or not it's permitted to go ahead and cut the mustache. Now, I will say now the halacha is that one is not permitted to go ahead, one is not permitted to go ahead and 
One is not permitted to round out the corners of their head, and one is not permitted to go ahead and destroy the corners of their beard. The idea of payas. So the Gemara seems to, according to Rashi, Rashi seems to say that according to Rabbi, there's no prohibition with cutting the mustache. Just stam, no prohibition cutting your mustache. So Tosa says over here, Big Shimon of Safa, Yeshaf Arish, Ide Shinoi, Dumia de Tiparnai, Venir, the Haka Perish, Tafka la Acher Shiva. That they were asking Rebbe, when Rebbe says you could trim your mustache, that's a din in a velos, a din in mourning. That Rebbe was saying that Halacha la Maisa, you can go ahead and cut your mustache, says, says Tosis after Shiva. And there's absolutely no problem with that. Okay. Shmuel says, Shmuel says, no, they did ask Rabbi about trimming the mustache, and Rabbi said it's mutter. So What's the definition of a mustache? From one corner of the mouth to the other corner of the mouth. When do we allow you to trim your mustache? Now, the truth is, based on this conversation, it makes a lot more sense that they're talking about Avelos. When are you permitted to go ahead and trim your mustache? Keves, when it gets in the way of your eating, right? So if your mustache is too long and it gets in the way of your eating, you're permitted to trim that even during Avelos. said, you know me, I'm a bit fastidious. Rashi says, So apparently, again, so Rabbi Ami says, you know, I'm very fastidious. I'm a mifunak. So because of that, again, the mustache for me is always bothersome. So I'm permitted to trim it. I permitted to trim it. Oh, Nachem Beitzchok, Lididi, good. Vamra Avital Safra Mishum Mishmed Rav Papa. So both say now that we quoted Avital, the scribe in the name of Rav Papa. So we quoted another member from nothing to do with our previous discussion. Parashay Bimei Moshe, Hu Amo Uzekano Amo Uparmashtako Amo Vizeres. Paro, the Paro of Moshe Rabenu, he was an Amo. His beard was an Amo. Parmashtako, Rashi says over here, Amoso. Is his aver, his male, right? His male organ was an ama and the zeres. So we'll say, see, what's interesting. This obviously isn't literal because, first of all, Paro, what do you mean? Paro was one ama, he was one ama tall, his beard was one ama tall. And what does it mean that his male organ was taller than him? What's, what's, what, what's, what's the pshat? So we'll say, so the Ben Yoyada says something absolutely amazing. That the idea that the Gemara is trying to tell that over here is Paro was a little man. He was a little man, not in actual height, not in actual height, but he was a little man. Now, both say, what's incredible about this is what does it mean that he was a little man? You know, the tragedy of Paro's story is that the tragedy of Paro, which was a tragedy of the Egyptian people, was that Paro allowed his own ego to go ahead and get in the way of his own interests and the interests of his nation. Sometimes the people with the biggest egos are actually the smallest of people. I so what does it mean when therefore it says that his Amos male member was an Amon Azaris was bigger was was taller than his was taller than his than was 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 taller than his actual height? He was he he was a lustful individual. He was a Baltaiva. The idea that his Taivas got the best of him for everything. Now both saying here's what's interesting. Now, there's nowhere in the Paro story that we see him as being a, a lustful or desirous person of Arias, of him, or an immoral individual, right? In other words, by, by creating, by setting this up, that the male member is taller than his actual stature, you're making him, an, you're trying to highlight he's an immoral individual. So Rashi has a, Rashi alludes to this when the beginning of Parsha Shmos, it sounds like that Paro propositioned Shifra and Pua, Miriam and Yochaved, to engage in, in immoral activity. So there's a remiss to it. I will say the, the idea is that when a person is lustful, right? When a person, think about this, if a person struggles with immorality, and I'm an, if I'm an immoral individual, so the idea that when a person is immoral, everything is about satisfying my desires. Everything is about me. I want, I need, I desire. In other words, when everything is about me, my ego comes first. So when we say that Paro was a lustful individual, it's all pointing in the same direction. He was just an individual with an inflated sense of self, with an inflated ego, where his entire life was about him and about how to go ahead and engage in the process of self-aggrandizement. Everything is about my inflated sense of self. 
So both sides. And the incredible part is Chazal tell us when a person has an inflated self, sense of self, people who have oversized egos are very small people. Because we know at the end of the day, an oversized ego, an inflated sense of self, often really masks a significant inferiority complex. Often, often re- really highlights the fact that a person has a very low self-esteem, low self-worth, and they're masking that by projecting this self-aggrandized image. That was Paro. That was Paro. So the Gemara says something amazing. So Rashi says over here, Rashi gives two interpretations, Machashefos and Gidufe. Either it means, again, a sorcerer or a blasphemer. Okay? Because ultimately, again, he's always focused on the Nile. So according to the first approach, according to the first approach, that apparently his sorcery was somehow connected with the Nile. According to the second approach, the idea was that he blasphemed HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he said, I made the Nile. The Nile is, right, I created the Nile and he denied HaKadosh Baruch Hu's involvement in any part of creation. Okay, incredible. And these are the people who are permitted to go and launder their clothing on Chalamite. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan says, if a person only has one garment, he is permitted to launder it during Chalamaid. So the Gemara says, Master Abirmia, Elu Mechapsin Bamoid. These are the people who are permitted to go ahead and launder during Chalamaid. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, um, I'm sorry, Master Abirmia, Elu Mechapsin Bamoid. Here are the people who are permitted to go ahead and launder during Chalamaid. Sorry, I'm trying to get. Uh, all of this situated correctly. These are the people who are permitted to go ahead and launder during Chalamayit. Habam Those ultimately, again, who come from overseas. The Gemara said, if you come from overseas, you're permitted to go ahead and launder your clothing. So say, so now, in It sounds like only if you come back from overseas that you're allowed to go ahead, or one of the other exceptions, or one of the other circumstances that the Mishnah said. But again, otherwise, it doesn't sound like you would be permitted to go ahead and launder your clothing. To which the Gemara says, I'm sorry, Amr le Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yermia, Asab nisin apagav de isle tre umetanfi. No, no, no. What the Mishnah is saying is that Allah Chalamayis, even if you had two articles of clothing, but you didn't have a chance to launder them before Chalamayid because you literally just arrived back home right before Chalamayid, that Allah Chalamaysa, that Allah Chalamaysa, you can go ahead and launder both of them even on Chalamayid. But the idea is that certainly one who only has one article of clothing is certainly permitted to launder them on Chalamayid itself. Shalach Rabbi Yitzchak, and both say that, that indeed is Allah Chalamaysa. If a person in general, although we have a limitation or a restriction on laundering on Chalamayid, if all you have is, you, you could always launder if you need it. We've seen this before already. Anything you need on Chalamayid, you're permitted to launder on Chalamayid. It's just things that you don't need that you should avoid laundering. Shalach Rav Yitzchak Bar Yaakov Bar Giri Mishmet Rabbi Yochanan. Kli Pishtan, Mutra Lechapsa Mechalashamayid. So linen, linen clothing or linen articles, you're permitted to go and launder them on Chalamayid. Master Rav Rav says, Matpechos Hayadayim, hand towels, Umatpechos Hasaparim, barbers, barbers cloths, Ahmed Yud Chasm and Base 18b. So Hani in Klei Pishnan Lo. So the Mishnah only makes it sound like these are things that you could launder, but ultimately again, Klei Pishnan linen clothing, linen articles, you can't launder. No, 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 no. The Mishnah is not coming to limit you. In other words, the, the Mishnah is even allowing you to go ahead and launder other clothing. In other words, I will say, the Mishnah is giving examples. Rashi says, Afilu de Sharmini, Kiloma Hamat Pechos, de Sharmini and Kigon Semer, Afa Gav de Nofish, Tircha Shari Lechabes, Ava Shar Kilim de Sharmini and Lo, Ava Klepishton Shari Lechabes. So ultimately, again, Abai is coming to say, the Mishnah is not coming to tell you that you can't launder linen clothing. Omar Bar Hedjil, Didi, Chazil, Yama Shaltiveria, the Mafki Mishkali, the money kisna bechala de moada. So listen to this. We'll say, Hedge says, I myself saw that in the Sea of Tiveria, in the Kinneret, there were baskets filled with linen clothing which were being laundered. So again, Bar Hedge says, You see from here, I saw it, I saw it myself. People are laundering baskets, baskets 
of linen clothing. Maskif la baye baye said, Man lemelon de brotson chachamim avdi, tamashla brotson chachamavdi, to which to which the Gemara baye says, just because you saw it doesn't mean people are conducting themselves in accordance with the halacha. In other words, maybe you saw it. I'm not, I'm not debating that you saw it. But Lamaisa, who says that they were actually doing the right thing? Incredible. So both say, and again, halacha Lamaisa, whenever it comes to laundering, whenever it comes to laundering, is that whatever you need for chalamaid, one is permitted to go ahead and do. Beautiful. Both say, Mishnah, Yud Chesim, Beis 18b. These are the things that you're allowed to write in Chalamite. Because let's remember again, on Chalamite, one is supposed to really abstain from engaging in work, which includes which includes writing. So what are you allowed to write on Chalamite? Kiddushay Nashim. Right? We'll see exactly what this means. Documents of betrothal. Kitten, right? Kitten, which Rashi says over here, Shakasa Bishtar Hari Atnikudeshas lead to Isha Niknis Bishtar. Okay, so Rashi says, literally again, it means a document of betrothal. Remember again, Isha Niknis Begimel Drachim. There are three ways that you could affect Kiddushin Kesef, Shtar, and Bia. See here, you're affecting Kiddushin through a Shtar. Gitten, divorce documents. Shovrin, are receipts. Now, say usually a shover is a reference to if a woman gets her ksuva, let's say a couple gets divorced, husband pays the ksuva, ultimately, again, he gets a receipt that he paid the ksuva. Shovrin, daitiki, so daitiki we're going to see are, is a will, but it's a specific kind of will that a person writes on their deathbed. Matana, doc, gifts for documents, I'm uh, sorry, documents for gifts. Prusbolin, so I prusbol, which was when a person hands over their debt to a Beisdin before Shemitah, in order that Shemitah doesn't wipe out the debt. Igros Shum, documents of valuation. So, so this often is done by Beisdin, especially when Beisdin is helping to go ahead and divide up an estate. So they'll go ahead and evaluate different pieces of property in order to go ahead and disperse the estate amongst brothers. The igros mazon, or documents of support. So this is a situation where, let's say, a man marries a woman and she has a daughter. So she has a daughter, and the husband agrees to go ahead and support this daughter. They would offer, they would paper that agreement. Shtari chalitza, document of chalitza, mi'unim. So I will say, mi'un, remember again, is a... A, a mother or a brother have the ability to go ahead and marry off a minor daughter or sister. So, but again, that's only rabbinic marriage. It's not biblical marriage. Like a father has the ability to mekadesh his daughter midoraisa. Ultimately, again, mother and the brother can marry off the daughter, but it's only dirabanan. She therefore has the ability to quote unquote be memain or be mema enes to refuse the marriage. In which case, the marriage itself dissolves. That's called the shtar miyun. Shtari Beirin. So we'll say Shtari Beirin. Ultimately, again, Rashi says over here, Biru Bezin Chilek Zeh Lozeh V'Chilek Zeh Lozeh. So again, these are also a type of when Bezin divides a property. Bezin shows this portion for this brother, this portion for that brother. Gzeros Bezin. Shtari Beirin could also sometimes mean when people choose Dayanim to sit on a Bezin. Okay, we'll see. Gzeros Bezin. Xero's Beisdin, ultimately decrees of Beisdin can be written on Chalamayid, the Igros Shal Roshos. And ultimately, again, Igros Shal Roshos means decrees of the government. So these are all things which can be written on Chalamayid. And you could see again, based on these things, they, these are items that are timely and important. And I really pose a concern that if you don't paper them now, it can really lead to trouble in the future. Says the Gemara Amar Shmuel, Mutter la'aris isha b'cholo shamoed, shema yikad menu acher. Incredible. Shmuel says, you are, remember, we already saw before, you're not permitted to get married. Nisuin is asran chalamaid. Remember again, why is that? Ein ma'arvin simcha besimcha. Because we don't mix one simcha with another simcha. Yet, what do we see from here? That erusin, right, betrothal, is permitted. So the Gemara says, why? Because what's the concern? If you don't chaperain and betroth this woman now, someone else is going to betroth her, right? When you find a good woman, you don't let her go, right? So betroth her. So therefore, Chazal, were, uh, Chazal allowed you, essentially, what it's really saying is like this, that if you find a wonderful spouse, you find a wonderful woman who is going to be, who is your bashert, who is the other part of you in the Shama, so ultimately, if you don't go ahead and betroth her now, it's a davar ha'avid. It's a davar ha'avid. It's something that can be lost. Maybe someone else will realize how special she is and ultimately beat you to the chuppah. 
And therefore, Allah Chalamayi said, Chazal allowed you to do erosin on Chalamayid. So the Gemara says, Kiddushin this seems to support this idea, because what does the Mishnah say? What are you allowed to write on Chalamayid? Kiddushin Oshim, documents of betrothal. My love, Shtari Kiddushin Mamish. Does this not refer to actual Shtar Kiddushin? Right? Tariat Nikudesh Asli, an actual document of betrothal? Maybe not. Lo, Shtari Psikta. It could about say or psixa. So we'll say it could actually refer to ultimately documents of financial arrangements that are that are a precursor to marriage. Ukitrav Gidal, Amarav, Damrav Gidal Marav, Kama Atanosin Le Bincha, Kach Vikach, Kama Atanosin Le Bitcha, Kach Vikach, Amdu Vikitshu, Kanu, Hain Hain Dvarim Hanik Haniknin Baamira. So I'll say interesting enough, this is what we call today Tinoim. That often what would happen is right before Kiddushin, families would agree. So the family of the bride would agree to give X, the family of the groom would agree to give Y, they would agree, they would shake, they would paper it, and ultimately then Kiddushin would occur. Then Kiddushin would occur. And the Gemara says, interestingly, right, and these are actually things, even without a document, these agreements ultimately become binding. So what's the other Gemara is just pointing out over here is that Allah Chalamaisa, Shtari Kiddushin could mean two things. Shtari Kiddushin could literally mean going ahead and writing a document which is the vehicle of Kiddushin, but it could also be a reference to writing a document which represents the financial agreements between the families as well. So the Gemara Salema Sayyaleh, so the Supposed to listen to this. We saw this before. We don't get married. No nisuin on chalamaid. Not besulos. Not almanus. We don't do yibum. Why? Because this is a simcha. We saw this sugya. And remember again, the simcha of yamtiv is supposed to be the simcha of yamtiv. We do not mix a different kind of simcha into the simcha of chalamaid. However, however, the Gemara says, Hala Ares Shari. But I will say, Erisin, which is betrothal, which is the first stage of marriage, which is really affected by the man, well, again, either through Kasef, through giving a woman item of value, Bia, which is not really done anymore, which is not done anymore, and Shtar. And ultimately, again, a document. So the Gemara says, you see from the fact that it says that Nisuin is Aser, tells you that Erisin is Mutter, to which the Gemara says, maybe not, maybe not. Lomi by Kamer, Lomi by the Aris, Lokavim Mitzvah, Alafi Lisanami, the Kavim Mitzvah, Aser. So I say, maybe you say this, no, maybe it means like this Nisuin is a Mitzvah. Eris in the Gemara says it's not even a mitzvah. So if you can't do Nisun, which is a mitzvah, maybe for sure you can't do Erisin, which is a mitzvah. Tashma, the Tani Rabbi Shmuel, Ma'arsin, Avalokonsin. No, therefore, I'll say explicit. Erisin is permitted. I will say this halachalamaisa. You could do Erisin. You could betroth the woman on Chalamaid, but you can't do Nisun. However, with Erisin, there is one, one, one important limitation. Then Osin, Suudas, Erisin, but you can't make a Suda. We'll say very often, after Erisin, they would have a beautiful celebratory meal. You can't make that meal on Chalamaid. you can't do Yibom. So we'll say, you see from here, something very interesting. Nisuin is Aser. Erisin is Mutter, but no celebratory meal. That's already, that's already too much. That's already not necessary. Right? Erisin is permitted, but only Erisin by itself. And I'll say, and why is Erisin permitted? Why is it permitted? Shema yekadmenu acher. Because maybe someone else will see that, wow, this is a really incredible Eishas Chayol, and ultimately go ahead and beat you to the chuppah, right? We don't want you to lose that. It's a davar ha'avid, and therefore you're permitted to go ahead and do irisin an chalamaid. To which the Gemara says something amazing. Umi amr shmuel, shema yikadmenu acher? Are you really concerned about that? That someone else, I found a wonderful woman. So now the Gemara says, do Eresin now on Chalamaid. Why? Because maybe someone else is going to chaper, right? Maybe someone else is going to, 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 to what is it, sweep her off her feet, right? <clears throat> maybe someone is going to wine and dine her and she's going to end up marrying this guy instead of me. Is that true? Va'amar Rabbi Huda Mershal, we're to listen to what Shmuel said. Bas ploni leploni, sada ploni leploni. But I will say every single day a baskel comes out and says, this woman is going to marry this man. This person is going to acquire this field. The idea being that who you marry is mina shamayim. Who you marry ultimately is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just like your parnasa is from Hashem, this field goes to this person. So who I marry is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. Now if who I marry is from Hashem, 
then again, whether why should I have to rush to do Erisin on Chalamaid? Even if I don't do Erisin on Chalamaid, ultimately again, my Bashert is my Bashert. So why should I do Erisin on Chalamaid? This is an incredible Gemara. It's true. It's true that my Bashert is my Bashert, but maybe someone else will daven for my Bashert to become their Bashert, right? Maybe someone else will daven, right? I'm supposed to marry, I'm supposed to marry Rachel, right? And again, maybe someone else is going to go ahead and daven that they want to, they want to marry Rachel. And even though, again, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decreed that Rachel is my Bashert, that Rachel is my Bashert, if Reuven goes ahead and he davens that Rachel should be his Bashert, maybe his Tfilos will be so powerful that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will allow Rachel to be, to be his and not mine. <laughs> it's incredible. So the Gemara listen to this. So Rava once heard a guy who was davening to Hashem. And he was davening Hashem, please let me marry this particular woman. He was davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he should be able to marry a particular, he had in mind, a particular woman. So so Rava said, Don't daven, don't, da- don't daven like that. Why? Because if the woman who you're davening for, if she's ba- your bashert, she's going to be yours. She's going to be yours. Ultimately, again, if it's meant to be, if it's bashert, then ultimately, again, you and this particular woman will get together. But if this woman is not meant for you and you're davening for her and then you don't end up getting her, you don't end up marrying her, you're going to end up losing your emuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You're going to be so disillusioned that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give you what you want that you may lose your belief in the Creator. Look at Rashi. We're going to end up saying, oh, tefillah does nothing. Prayer does nothing. Here I daven for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to marry this woman. She's wonderful. She's perfect for me. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't answer my tefillahs. What do you see from here? That tefillah doesn't work. Tefillah doesn't work. <clears throat> we'll say, by the way, what an incredible Gemara. So Rav was saying, Rav was saying to this man, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. But if it's not meant to be, you're going to become so disillusioned that you don't get what you want that you could end up losing your faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I will say, what a, what, what a profound insight into tefillah. First of all, just in general in life, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. You know, when we daven, and this is an incredible Yisod in Hochul's tefillah, when we daven, the way that a Jew should daven is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm asking you for this, this and this, A, B, C and D. I want all of these things. But every single time you ask something for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you always have to daven with humility. And humility says, this is what I'm asking for because I really, really want it. And I really think it's good for me. But I also realize that sometimes I don't know what's good for me. And the said, it's an incredibly important episode. Sometimes I'm convinced that this is what I need. I'm convinced that this is what should be. I'm convinced. I'm a thousand percent sure. And the said, this is everything. How often does it happen? We daven for a shalema. And we're convinced that this person, it must be this person. Now again, it's human nature. We see things through our lens. So I daven for someone who's sick. I daven for parnasa. I daven for shiduchim. I daven for children. I'm convinced this is what should be. Because from my vantage point, it's so clear that this person should have a rafua. This person should have a parnasa. This person should have this. This person should have that. I need this. I need that. And again, of course, that's how we daven. We daven from our vantage point. But I think that every tefillah has to be laced with a certain level of humility. And what humility says is, I'm asking you for what I think I need or for what I think that person needs because this is how I see it. But exactly, this is how I see it. But dear HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and ultimately I trust you to do whatever is right. And this is how we have to daven. Because if we don't daven this way with this little caveat of humility, then when we don't get what we want, which is an inevitable reality in the human condition, we run the risk of becoming disillusioned. 
we run the risk of becoming jaded. I, I davened for this and I davened with so much kavana and I took on this and I did this and I changed this and I improved this and I stopped doing this, which is all incredible. And I still didn't get what I want. I still didn't get what I want. So what's the point? So we, we and, and it happens, it happens. People reach out to Hashem for all kinds of things and they don't get what they want because sometimes that happens in life and they become disillusioned. Rava said, don't daven like that. Don't daven like that. Daven for what you want. Daven for what you think you need. But at the end of the day, always lace your tefillos with a healthy dose of humility. And that healthy dose of humility says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is what I think I need. This is, what I, this is what I want. And this is what I believe that I need. But I also know at the end of the day, I don't always know what I need. Oh, I don't always know what the other needs. So I leave it to you to run your world in the way that it should be run. And I really, Davin, for the strength to accept your answers, for the strength to accept your decisions. Because sometimes your answers are not the ones I was looking for. And sometimes your decisions are not the ones I had hoped you would make. But I have to learn to trust in you. I have to learn to put my amun in you. I have to learn to live with a certain degree of humility that what I think I need and what the world needs is sometimes not what I need and not what the world needs. That's what Ravel was trying to tell this individual. Such an incredible, I will say, profound Gemara. Legabi Hilchos Tefillah, the Hashkafa of Tefillah. So the Gemara ends up touching at the story. He says, Basar Hachi, Shami Dekamar. Afterwards, Ravel heard this same guy davening. O ihu limos mikamo, o ihi tamos mikame. That the same guy was davening, if you're not going to let me marry this woman, then here's what I ask. Either let me die before her, I shouldn't see her marry someone else, or let her die before me. Don't let her end up marrying someone else. Crazy tefillah. Did I not tell you? Don't daven like this. This is crazy. You love this woman so much. So you hear what's happening? This guy is so in love with this woman. So first he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, first he says, Please let me marry this woman. And Rav says, no, 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 don't do that. If, she, if it's meant to be, she's your Bashar, you're going to marry her. And if not, if you don't get what you want, you run the risk of becoming disillusioned with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he hears the same guy, Damek HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I want to marry her, but if you don't let me marry her, either let me die before her so I won't see her get married, or let her die before me so, I, so she won't marry someone else. So I'll say, you know, the first part of the tefillah, you can understand a little bit. Uh, he's so, he's so like love struck with her, right? Or for her, about her, that he does he can't bear to see her marry someone else. You know, like, what does it mean that he davens, let her die before he mar- before she marries this other guy? So I'll say, it's an interesting yisod that sometimes when we say that we love people, what we really love is we love ourselves. And I love what this other person does for me. This is a very important yisod in relationships that a person has to do a little bit of a self-check. When I say I love you to someone, is it that I really love them or I love them because of what they do for me? And there's an incredible nafkamina. There's an incredible, incredible practical difference. What's the nafkamina? When that person doesn't do for me or that person doesn't do exactly what I wanted them to do. So then you begin to see what true love is. If I really love that person, so the love is there even when they don't do for me what I wanted, or even when they don't behave the way that I wanted, or even when they don't perform exactly how I wanted. But if really I only love them because of what they do for me, then the moment they stop doing for me is the moment that I stop really loving them. It's an incredible litmus test in the love, because all too often when we say, it's like, you know, you hear people say this, I love pizza. Really, you love pizza? You love pizza? You, 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 have, you have such a, a meaningful connection with pizza? What is it? With the dough? With the cheese? With the tomato sauce? What, what, what is it exactly? No, no. I don't love pizza. I love me. I love me. But I love what pizza does for me. I love football. It's Sunday. So it's good. I don't know if there's a game today. But it's good to get this. And I love football. Really? What is it? What, what, what is it? The, the, the shape of the ball? The, the fact that there's grown men in tight pants jumping on? Which, which, which part of it? The players who get obscene salaries? Which, which part of it do you love? No, I don't, I don't love... What I mean is, I love what the sport does to me. It gives me pleasure, which is fine. All kidding aside. Good. I don't love... I, I love me. I love me. So I love what football... I love what, what the sport does for me. But what's dangerous is when you say you love your wife, 
So what do you mean? Do you say that I love you? I just, I love you for who you are. I love you for what you do. I love you for what you accomplish. I love you for just the person, for the midos you have. Or is it chas shalom? I love you because of what you do for me. And ah, that's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. Because then I don't really love you. I don't really love you. I love me. I love me. And you give more to me. So that's why I love you. And also we have to be so careful to stay far away from that type of love. Because that's a dangerous love. Because the moment then my spouse stops doing what I want her to do, how I want her to do it, or when I need her to do it, is the moment that sometimes that love evaporates. We have to work on a love not because of what my spouse does for me. And by the way, it's not just spouse. It's my spouse, it's my children, it's my parents. But almost like an Ava She'ena Taluya Bedavar. A love because I really love you. I really love you. Of course I appreciate and I like the things you do for me. But that's not the basis. That's not the basis. That's not the foundation of the love. Incredible Gemara. The Gemara goes right. Amar Rav Mishum Mishum Ruven Ben. It's Strabili. So we'll say there are th- from, from Torah Navim and Ksuvim, we see a Raya that HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and creates Shiduchim, that he decides a Bashert, that a Shiduch, a marriage, a relationship is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's interesting, Parshat Chayisara, interesting Raya. From Lavan and Besuel, when Eliezer comes to find a wife for Yitzchak, and Eliezer tells everything that happened when he found the Rivka, and Lavan and Besuel, Rishayim, Rishayim, said, Me'ashem Yatzadavar, it's clear that this Shidduch, this Shidduch, this match, is from the Ribbono Shalolam. See, see from him in Torah, that Shiduchim, that Shiduchim ultimately again are from Hashem. So ultimately from the Nevi'im, this is by Shimshon. By Shimshon, his parents did not realize that ultimately again this Shiduch was from Hashem. Right? Ultimately again, your home. And your wealth could be an inheritance from your father or from your family. But from Hashem, Isha Maskelas is a wise woman. That ultimately, again, there are many things that are based in our hishtadlus, many things that are based in our effort. But who you marry, the relationship you create, that's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now again, I want to be clear. It doesn't mean that Shiduchim don't require Ziyat Dishmayo, right? It doesn't mean that a Shiduch doesn't require divine assistance. Of course it does. Of course it does. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that who we marry, our Bashert, right? The, 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 the woman or the man who, am I, who I am supposed to, that's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's from the Rebano Shalolam. Incredible. So I'll, say, I'll just read one more line that will stop because I realize I want to get this in. Tana, Amra Beruvein Ben Itzrabuli. Ein Adam Nechshad Badavar, Ela Imkin Aso. So this is an interesting episode that a person, a person is not suspected about something. So I'll say, you know what, actually we'll stop over here for today. We'll stop here. We'll pick up Emirat Hashem with this sogya of Chashad, of being suspected of something. Again, we'll get to that tomorrow. But say, I look forward to learning with all of you tomorrow, Monday. Rabbi Kiva Kaman Kolmex is going to be giving this show. I'll be traveling back. I'll be back in Hashem for sheer live in person on, on Tuesday morning. And as much as I breaks my heart to have to leave Eretz Yisrael, but um, really, Mamash breaks my heart to have to leave Eretz Yisrael, but I very much, only the Nechama, the Nechama I have, one of the, one of the Nechamas I have. Of course, is seeing my mishpacha, is is being able to learn with all of you. I look forward to continuing that on Tuesday morning. Wishing everyone a wonderful day and shkayach everyone.